One, two, one, two, three, four. Hey everybody, it's Sam Jacobs. Welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today, we've got a special show. We are recording this from Los Angeles, where we just hosted the Pavilion Elevate Roadshow. And as part of that roadshow, I interviewed Jen Spencer, the new CEO of Smartbug Media. And so this week, we're going to do the interview in two parts. You're going to hear today, uh, which is Tuesday, and then you'll hear the second part of the interview uh, on Friday. For Friday. Instead of Friday Fundamentals, it'll be a two-parter, which will be my conversation with Jen. Jen's incredible executive. She started at SmartBug as VP of Sales and Marketing, was promoted to Chief Revenue Officer, and then was promoted to Chief Executive Officer. And we talk about that journey. Uh, so I, I think it's a great episode. I think it's a great conversation. And she's really an inspiration for a lot of executives that want to make the leap from operator to CEO. So we talk about that entire transition. Now, before we get there, let's listen to a word from our sponsors. This episode of the Sales Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Outreach. Outreach is the first and only engagement and intelligence platform built by revenue innovators for revenue innovators. Outreach allows you to commit to accurate sales forecasting, replace manual process with real-time guidance, and unlock actionable customer intelligence that guides you and your team to win more often. Traditional tools don't work in a hybrid sales world. Find out why. Outreach is the right solution at click.outreach.io forward slash 30 MPC. That is click.outreach.io forward slash 30 MPC. This episode of the Sales Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Ambition. Every revenue leader feels the pressure to keep sales high and rep attrition low. Take control with Ambition's Revenue Performance Platform, a suite of tools that combine performance intelligence with sales gamification and coaching orchestration to drive accountability and encouragement across your entire revenue org. See why top companies like FedEx, ADP, and the Atlanta Braves rely on Ambition to keep morale high and rep attrition low. Check them out at ambition.com. This episode of the Sales Hacker Podcast is sponsored by Pavilion. Pavilion is the key to getting more out of your career. Our private membership connects you with a network of thousands of like-minded peers and resources where you can tap into dozens of classes and training through Pavilion University. Make sure you take advantage of the Pavilion for Teams corporate membership and enroll your entire go-to-market team in one of our industry-leading schools and courses, including Marketing School, Sales School, Sales Development School, and Revenue Operations School. Unlock your professional potential and your team's professional potential with a Pavilion membership. Get started today at joinpavilion.com. Once again, that's joinpavilion.com. With me uh, is my friend, uh, Jen Spencer. Jen is the newly appointed, I would say relatively newly appointed, CEO of Smartbug Media, uh, a career marketer, right? Yes. Um, And Jen's been a member uh, for a little while, and her journey, you know, this is what we're going to be talking about is her journey, because it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. She, I first got to know her, I think your title was VP of Marketing, is that right? Sales and Marketing. VP of Sales and Marketing. She then, um, in our very first CRO school, which was the fall of 2019, was it the fall of 2020? It was the fall of 2020. And um, Jen was one of the first 10 people that took that program uh, because she had just been promoted to chief revenue officer and she wanted to make sure that she knew what she was doing. A year later, she's now been promoted to chief executive officer. So, <laughs> so let's, let's just um, let's start by setting the stage a little bit. Give us a context, Jen, on what is Smartbug Media and then talk to us a little bit about that journey that I just described in your words. Sure. Uh, So SmartBug Media is an intelligent inbound marketing agency, so full service, all things digital agency. 
We are a HubSpot elite partner, um, partner of the year. We, we, we sell and service more HubSpot than anyone really in the world. And then we actually acquired an agency um, last year that's a Klaviyo partner. So they're more direct to consumer. So we're starting to provide those e-commerce uh, services around Klaviyo. So most, most of the time, it's a company between like 5 million and 500 million who's like, we need more pipeline from marketing. We need marketing drive pipeline. And that's where we're kind of coming in and supporting and working with our clients on retainer. And how big is the company from numbers that you're willing to disclose? Sure, sure, employees sure, yeah. or where are you in your, in your growth trajectory? We're close to 200 employees. We're all fully remote. We've always been fully remote. Um, about 25 million in revenue or a little over 25 million in revenue. And, um, and when I, I first met SmartBug, I hired SmartBug I was, as a client in 2013, working, running marketing at a SaaS company. There were 10 employees. When I joined as VP of Sales and Marketing in 2017, I was employee number 28. So been some fast growth recently. <laughs> and you're, you're private equity owned, is that right? We are. Yeah, we were uh, acquired in January of 2020. So talk to us about the journey to, to CEO specifically. You're promoted to CRO. How did that happen? And then, of course, the biggest question is, you know, what's different? What surprised you about being a CEO? Uh, what's not surprised you? How do you like it? Give us some context yeah. and some background. So my journey to being CEO is interesting because there was, I later learned there was sort of a master plan that I was just not part of. Um, so when we were acquired by private equity uh, and we were going through due diligence in the fall of 2019, those investors were meeting with kind of key people in the organization. I was one of them. They were looking for who is the future leader because our founder and that who's now, he's the chairman of our board. But he knew he was not, he recognized he was not the person to lead the organization through the next stage of growth. So because of that, they were looking and there were a lot of questions that were asked of me about, well, what's my career path? Like, where do I want to be? Do I want to get back into SaaS and technology? Do I want to go into consulting? Do I want to do my own? You know, you know what, what that was. And what I appreciate about my, my former CEO is we constantly talked about that. So we were, you know, keeping, keeping track of what was going on. And it was, it was before I became CRO, he actually started to talk to me about potential succession planning. And so I said, great, I'm so glad we're talking about this. I would like to be our, our first chief revenue officer, and this is why, and let me kind of paint this picture for you. So, so he's like, wow, that's the first time. I can't believe you just uh, converted an offer to be later at some point in the future become CEO. You converted that into a promotion for yourself right now. So I was like, yes. <laughs> What's dif- so t- what's it yeah. like being CEO? What's different? What surprised you? What's given you anxiety, yeah. if anything at all? Oh, I mean, I felt very prepared to step into the role. We moved me into president, so I started taking over more standard operations. But I think the biggest thing that surprised me is that I'm in charge. Like, I, I, get to make, I have to make the decisions, right, um, and make decisions quickly. And, you know, kind of trust my gut and gather data like that. That was just, that was a little bit shell shocking to kind of look around like, this is really my call. Okay, this is my call. (laughs) Um, The thing that was probably most shocking and like upsetting or frustrating for me was that not everyone's going to like me, right? Like, and I'm used to being a fairly well-liked kind of person among my team, my group, an inspirational leader of sorts. And so when you start getting into like the employee pulse kind of surveys and stuff and you scroll through, oh, there's some nasty grams in there. And I'm like, 
dang, are you going to blame me for it? I'm being blamed for whether it's whether it's the, the cost of gas or the war in Ukraine or whatever. Like, all of the things that people are feeling are kind of like, you, I, I, I'm a, a very accountable person, so it's very easy for me to accept that as that's my responsibility. So I've had to try to adjust and be like, okay, this isn't my, re- I'm responsible for helping ensure I have a positive, safe, healthy growth environment for my team. I cannot be responsible for everything in their lives. And so that's been you know, something I'm learning. <laughs> What's been the onboarding process like? Is, did you put together a 30, 60, 90? I, I have to imagine, I mean, maybe you had full visibility into the entire P&L, mm-hmm. the cash balance mm-hmm. and the balance sheet. But how do you think about onboarding yourself? Because yeah. again, you're the person making the calls. You have to design your own training program, essentially. So I come, it's a, we're a very visible organization, very transparent, especially at um, at the executive level. And there were a lot of conversations with our, our board, who they're actually located here in Santa Monica, which is great. And, and so they really wanted to make sure I understood the business you know, mechanisms. When they presented me with the offer to, be, to move into the, the, the CEO position, it also came with a couple of support, supportive kind of items. One was that our founder would stay on board in a consulting type of capacity. So I meet with him. If I, it's my call, but I meet with him for an hour every Monday morning. And we're focused on kind of how are things moving strategically. I ask advice of him, right? He's there for me. If I need to not take that call because something else in the business is more pressing, then I can cancel the call, right? But I have him, you know, accessible. And he's helping us with M&A um, work, you know, and, and so I don't have to worry about the M&A stuff until we get into due diligence. So that's one. The other thing is- M&A oh, meaning you as an acquirer. As, as an acquirer, yes. Yeah, because that, I have, again, probably- given that you have a private equity backer, probably rolling up other similar companies might be part of the strategy. Exactly, exactly. Um, And the other thing that the board presented me with was an opportunity to attend an executive development program at Wharton at at UPenn. And it's a program that's a two-week, very intense program that will remind you of your age and that you are not, no longer in your 20s. And, but it was, it's geared specifically for executives who are making a transition in their careers. So everyone there either just recently moved into a new role or they're preparing for that new role. And that was so helpful in giving me like a clean slate break. Like I became CEO officially February 1st and then left for two weeks and went to this program, which you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did this. But it was really beneficial because it allowed me to come in and like reset. This is now I'm in charge. This is my vision for the company. Um, and I, I would not have thought to ask for I would not have known that existed. I would not have thought to ask for it. So it was something that was presented as sort of part of my overall compensation package. And so let's talk about the vision. You know, how do you, I'm a, you know, you, you talk to the founder every, every Monday. Mm-hmm. They have a way of doing things, he mm-hmm. or she, whoever mm-hmm. they are. Uh, you probably have, you know, you probably are completely aligned in many ways, but in mm-hmm. other ways you might not mm-hmm. be. How do you think about beginning to shift the trajectory, the culture, whatever the things are that you for a long time yeah. probably had a strong point of view on? How do you think about balancing that transition? Well, we, we are really aligned and that's important. Um, and so we have, I've always subscribed to his 10-year BHAG. Right. And then I was part of the, the team that put together, well, what does 
five years look like? What does three years look like? Et cetera, et cetera. So I've always been part of that. So it's like working in lockstep. Um, there are a couple of, of times where we have disagreed on the way to actually do, you know, do something. But, you know, he's been very, um, very generous in like allowing me to really step in and do what I think is best because he's identified like, well, I think you're the best person for us, you know, to get to that kind of next level. So I don't think the vision of the organ, the vision of the organization hasn't changed really. And and it won't. Um, But the tactics, the things that we do on a day-to-day basis, the operations of the organization are evolving a bit. Um, but it's also, it's with our, our growth. It's when you think about how we're growing so quickly, we cannot continue to do things the way we've always done them. And everyone's on the same page about this. Even, you know, meeting with our board and talking about some organizational realignment, I can present that business case, what I'm seeing, why, and they trust me. So, so Organizational realignment means new org chart, means new business units. What does it mean for you in this yeah. context without revealing anything? Sensitive. Yeah, it's um, well, we've if you're familiar with HubSpot, they've really grown up market and we've grown up market with them. Uh, and it's been exciting to see. So as an example, when I started at SmartBug, we were selling retainers, marketing retainers for around fifty five hundred six thousand dollars a month. And now our average is fourteen thousand. So we are, we're, we're, we're providing more services at a higher premium to a, a larger, larger uh, customer. And so once, when you do that, you maybe have to start to think about, well, who's delivering those services? Because our product is our people. And we recognize that by doing, conducting some listening sessions with our team in the fall, listening to them and understanding, well, what's their career path? What are they looking for? What do they love about their job? What would they rather not do? We started to identify, hey, there might be a better way, a smarter way for us to organize ourselves. So that's what we're in the process of looking at now. It's, you know, I, I came back from this Wharton program and I'm like, all right, well, everyone should just be like Southwest because Southwest has figured out like every case study, every professor, it didn't matter if it was finance, ops, like marketing, everything came back to a Southwest case study. And it's, but it's, it is kind of fun when you step aside and you look at a completely different business model and go, all right, well, what did they do? What is the one or two little things that they, they switched? And how did it propel them forward? And so that's what we're in the process of doing right now. That makes, uh, that's, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do you think about, uh, you know, we were talking, we had a panel all about talent acquisition, right? And mm-hmm. I gave some stats that are 47,000. And that, those numbers, by the way, are true for every function. Mm-hmm. You are an agency, right? Mm-hmm. And so you are selling, I'm always curious about firms that sell XYZ as a service or XYZ capability, because mm-hmm. you've got to hire people too. So how do you think about talent acquisition? What are your strategies for acquisition, retention, you know, inclusivity? How does SmartBug approach that? So retention, talent retention and growth is a, is really a really important part of our of our strategy and being able to grow people and create those career paths is something that we're we've, we're investing quite a bit in. So things like when you, once you hit a director level in our organization, you are now eligible for a fully funded pavilion membership. Oh, nice. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a value add. I didn't know she was going to say that, I, just to be not clear. Planned. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it's, I'm looking at how do we create these like value drivers for people that are going to make them like want to stay and want to grow within our, within our company? Because the truth is, 
There's, there's a SaaS company in Silicon Valley that would pay my team so much more money to go work there, right? But what's the trade-off and what, are we, what is it that we're providing? Um, and so we, we've always been a fully remote organization for you know, the beginning of, of, of the history of the company uh, for 15 years. There's work-life integration, true flex time. There's other factors that are, that are really important to us. Talent acquisition is the hardest part of what we do, and capacity planning and alignment is like one of the like the hardest part of what we do. Um, so we want to be able to grow people internally as best as best we can, and we also want to use our people as cultural ambassadors for our organization to attract others. So you know we you know we're, we're posting the roles on Indeed and Glassdoor, and all we're doing all of those things. But really, where we get our people from are word-of-mouth referrals from other smart bugs. So if you ensure that you're creating a really positive environment for people to grow and, and, and fulfill their, their own dreams, I mean, even let's go backwards and like, think about when my founder was talking to me about my goals, he wanted to understand what was important to me as a human. There were things like, hey, my twin boys are about to go to college. I want to be able to pay for college and not have a heart attack, right? <laughs> like, I want, to, I want to write a book. I want to teach workshops. There were like things that didn't necessarily have 100% to do with SmartBug, but his investment in me and what I wanted to become was started, I started to associate those two, right? Like, that's my, my, my career and my personal life. And so I've been trying to do that for, you know, all the other SmartBugs too. Um, but it's a, it's a tough market out there right now. <laughs> Do you, you're based in Phoenix, right? I am. So is that part of the strategy? Is it geographic diversity, hiring people from all over the country as opposed to just concentrating in the major centers? Yeah. That's always been part of the strategy. We have people, we've had people in Bismarck, North Dakota, in Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> I didn't know there was a Manhattan, Kansas. Oh yeah. There Isn't is. Kansas state there? Yes. Yes. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's, we have people that do, that are exceptional talents and they just don't happen to live in New York, San Francisco, LA, love you LA, but you know, there, so, and the, the cost of living is also higher, obviously. And we're a services company. We don't have margins like SaaS companies do. Yeah. So, so we've had to do that. Most SaaS companies don't have those margins (laughs) either, sadly. (laughs) They spend like they do. Yeah, exactly. It's all in the out years. Yeah. <laughs> but so, it, so it's, it, that's been a, a big part of our strategy. Um, and, and there are a lot of really good people who live on farms and live places where, hey, as long as you've got, you've got, you've got the, the smarts and you've got an internet connection, you're golden, right? Absolutely. So we're starting to expand now. And we, have, we had hired our first um, team member in El Salvador, and she just was amazing. And so we started then exploring a little bit more in, in South America and really wanting to stay aligned on U.S. time zones, but hire, hiring outside. When we see like, hey, it's a really competitive market, well, okay, well, let's go, let's go fish in a different pond. Like, why are we staying in the same place? But Yeah. I mean, especially, yeah. again, with compensation rising the way it is. Yeah. Uh, let's shift to your, your subject matter expertise a little bit. Just because it's, we're all sales and marketers yeah. here, and it's interesting. What have you seen change over the last, you know, you've been doing this for a little while, and there's constantly innovation happening on the marketing front. What things are working for your clients now that weren't working before? What things have stopped working that used to work? What do you see across the broadly defined, you know, demand gen yeah. kind of content marketing landscape? So inbound marketing has changed, has evolved. 
But what's fun is we, I feel like we've been a part of that story of, 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 of helping kind of evolve that. And we branded ourselves as intelligent inbound because for us, for inbound to be successful, it's more than just exactly what HubSpot said to do. You know, I, I love them, but sometimes it's like, well, you can't just, that doesn't, you can't just blog and ebooks and then just money falls from the sky. So there's, <laughs> there's other things and, 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 and getting into like revenue operations before it was called revenue operations, um, layering different kinds of paid media, public relations is something that we'll, we'll kind of loop in. So it, it's, it's, there's not just like a, like one play. We were talking about plays and running the old play. I can't run the same play I ran at NetTime Solutions back in 2013. That was crazy successful. If I did that now, I would have diminishing returns on those, you know, on, on that effort. So I think that's, the, the, that, the market is obviously that that's really, that's really evolving and changing. But I, I think one of the biggest things that's changed, honestly, is the pressure cooker that revenue leaders, that marketers in particular, are in to get instant results is one of the most frustrating things, I think, about— And that's the, different than it used to be? It's very different. Yeah. It's—and it's, it, 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 we're, we're, we're to blame a little bit for it, right, like as marketers. Um, but, uh, but as we have more responsibility, more of like kind of a, a seat at the executive table, which is great— Giant, more, more of a piece of the pie, there's obviously more light kind of, you know, shown on us. And, and so we talk about like sales leaders having that shorter time frame. I'm worried about marketing leaders. I see clients come in and they're in like Hail Mary mode and thinking like, oh, well, we're just going to like throw some content together and like the world's going to, everything's going to change and pipeline. And that's just not the case. So I think there are unrealistic expectations more and more being put on marketing and part of that's also there's so much technology, which is great. It's really cool. But it also comes at a cost. And so you're constantly looking at, well, when am I going to get the ROI of this spend? What, uh, are, are there specific categories that you have either that you're bullish or bearish on? You know, the, recently, uh, you know, if I'd said recently a year ago it would have, or two years ago, it would have been account-based marketing. But sure. the, the evolution of that is intent data mm-hmm. and intent data platforms. And there was a conversation within Pavilion, within the CMO channel, about if everybody's using the same intent data, is it really proprietary or useful yeah. to that specific? So what do you think about those categories? Or are there specific strategies or tactics that, you're, that you think are particularly useful right now? Yes and no. Like, it's even if you think back to like early days of like SEO, it was always just do the right thing, right? If you, if you know who your customer is, you know who your buyer is, and you understand what their pains are, and you create value for them, However you create value, whether it's like through content, those conversations, going to events, what, what have you, that's where you're going to find success. Anything else that seems like a quick win, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. But I mean, we use intent data. We use it for ourselves. And I, we, have, we have examples of success. We have examples of total failure. It depends on what you put into it and like kind of what surrounds it. So same thing with account-based marketing, right? Now my team's saying, we can't do ABM without intent. So we'll wave it. We'll, we used to, used to say, we can't, do, <laughs> we can't do anything without ABM. Now we can't, you know, so it's, there's always going to be kind of something else that's layer. So I'm still like staying the course on know your people, take a psychological approach to who you're trying to attract and engage and be a human to them. And try to do it at scale. And if that means you're leveraging certain technology to do that at scale, then great. But none of this is a magic wand. It's, there's no silver bullet, right? 
So that was part one, part one of my conversation with Jen Spencer, CEO of Smartbug Media, recorded live from Los Angeles at the Santa Monica proper, where we held the Pavilion Elevate Roadshow. You'll hear part two this coming Friday. One quick takeaway. Luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And you can tell that Jen prepared herself. I want to add a modifier to that common phrase. Preparation creates opportunity, which creates luck. Jen invested in herself. She made sure that she was ready and she advocated for herself to take that leap from CRO to CEO. Initially, the advocacy was just to go from VP of sales and marketing to CRO. But the board and the founder of the company saw that she had invested in herself and prepared and that created the opportunity. So thanks so much for listening. We're going to do take uh, part two of this conversation uh, this coming Friday. Uh, If you want to reach me, you can. Uh, You can email me, sam at joinpavilion.com. If you haven't joined the Sales Hacker community yet, please give it a try. Uh, It's an incredible place, and uh, you'll get a ton of value out of it. There's over 25,000 sales professionals conversating, all at saleshacker.com. If you haven't given us five stars yet, please do that. Otherwise, let's listen to part two of our conversation this coming Friday after a word from our sponsors right now. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on Friday. Thanks so much for listening to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by Outreach. Remember, Outreach allows you to commit to accurate sales forecasting, replace manual process with real-time guidance, and unlock actionable customer intelligence guiding you and your team to win more often. Go to click.outreach.io forward slash 30MPC. We were also brought to you by Pavilion. Pavilion is the key to getting more out of your career. Enroll in sales school, sales development school, marketing school, and many, many more for yourself or for your entire team. Learn more at joinpavilion.com. And finally, Ambition. The Revenue Performance Platform, a suite of tools combining performance intelligence with sales gamification and coaching orchestration. See why top companies like FedEx, ADP, and the Atlanta Braves rely on ambition to keep morale high and rep attrition low at ambition.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.